Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, and it reads as follows. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who we have fled for refuge, to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Let's pray before we get today's message. Dear God, thank you for giving us a chance here to worship as a congregation, to uh, be with one another, to fellowship, and of course to honor you. Be with us now as we try to learn from your word and hear your message and make the message a part of our lives. In Jesus' name pray, amen. So two weeks ago, Nathan gave his July 4th message, right? Which contained, you know, his normal historical uh, ramblings, many of which we know are oversimplifications and accurate and so on. But, you know, it's understandable. He's talking about something like the Civil War, which people write 10,000-page books on, right? These, uh, you know, they do 14-hour documentaries. So it's not surprising that when he tends, takes 10 minutes to talk about it, it might not all be... Uh, 100% accurate or the best teaching ever. And I'm not going to take time to talk about that because, like I said, it'd probably take me 14 hours to explain everything. And no one wants to hear about that. We don't want to hear about all the various vagaries of American history and Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War and all those type of things. But I think what he was trying to get at, what the main point of his message last time, was to show how in American history there were people that when they led our country, when they shaped our history, they put their trust in God. They knew that they had a God that they could rely on, a one that they could listen to. And that formed the basis of how they governed. In this July 4th season, you know, in July we remember things like the United States and, uh, you know, all the things that we've done uh, related to that. I figured it'd be interesting to look at something sort of related to that, not exactly related, but that is our national motto. You guys have all heard of this national motto before. That motto is, in God we trust. We've all heard it before, right? We've all seen it printed on all of our money. You can look at your quarter, your penny, and all these things, right? We know that's on there. We see it all the time, right? But what do we really know about what this motto is? What it really means, right? So that's what we're going to look at a little bit about today. But first, before we look into the details of that, I want to quiz you guys to let you to ask how many of you guys really know anything about your money in the first place. We all have money. We all look in our pockets now, right? Look at all our pockets now. You might have money. You might have cash money, right? Now, we're going to have a little contest here. So on your phone, there's the quiz. Now you should type in your name on the quiz because the winner will get a big prize, right? All right, so we're going to have a few quiz questions about your money. We'll have a scoreboard, and we'll see who gets the big prize at the end, right? We'll have some questions about money, right? We all know about money. We have it in our pockets, right? Just like this. Look at this. This is big cash, right? Cash money right here, right? Maybe this will be part of the prize. I'll throw this in, too. It's a prize, right? Look at that. And it says right here, in God we trust, right? Looks like we got a big crew. 
28 participants. Oh my, we have 28 people in this quiz. All right, so this quiz was created by Brian. He is the one who made it. So if you think this is too hard, blame him. All right? All right, Brian, first question of the quiz. Here we go. So the question will pop up on the screen. It'll be on your phone, too. Here's the question for you guys to answer. A dollar bills have more bacteria than toilet seats. Write your answer. True or false? All right. 27 true, zero false. That's right. 100% of people were correct. What's the leaderboard here, Brian? Who's in first place? The first place is Wolfmeister 2. Who is Wolfmeister 2? All right. Wolfmeister was the fastest to answer. So in event of a tie, they give the most points to who answered first. All right. Second question. Second question is... Second question is... Brian, second question. Here it comes. Las Vegas is among the top 10 cities with the worst credit scores. True or false? Everyone has voted. What's the, what's, what's the uh, breakdown? 29 said true. Two said false. 29 are correct. Wow. Who's our leader now? Wolfmeister. Still in first place. Second place, Celine. All right. Let's get the third question. Third question. Brian wants to ask you this question. He says, 90% of bills have been contaminated by cocaine. True or false? Everyone has voted. Let's see how you guys voted. 22 false, 9 true. The answer is true. All right. How does this affect our leaderboard? We have a new leader. DC is in the lead. DC is in the lead. All right. This is the last question, right? The last question in our quiz. Are you guys ready? It is this. In God We Trust was first used on coins during the Civil War. True or false? Everyone has voted. 18 said true. 13 said false. The answer is true. All right, drum roll, please. The winner is Ted. All right, who is Ted? Sean, you're the big winner. Do you want the serious prize? Come on up here to collect your serious prize. Here you go. The prize is whatever I found in my car this morning, right? <laughs> here. Also, big money, right? <laughs> All right. So, in God we trust, the motto came during the Civil War. So what's the history behind this thing, right? It has a long history, actually. So some people think, didn't it come from the beginning? 1776, the beginning of our country. No, it did not. The original slogan is actually something you see on your coins, too, right? E pluribus unum, this Latin thing, right? From many, we are one. It didn't become the motto until 1956, much later, right? But the, the, the idea of in God we trust existed long before then, right? And it came from actually a famous song, one you guys hear, hear many times, but not necessarily that verse. If you look in your song books, not today, not right now, but if you look under the Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem, right? In verse number four, in verse number four, you'll see the words and the lyrics. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. 
right? I think that's where this idea, at least in American history, came from, right? That back during the War of 1812, when Francis Scott Key wrote this song, that he had the idea that the American model would be something along the lines of, in God is our trust. And this idea kind of resonated with people, so much so that in 1865, we saw it in the quiz question, right? That it started appearing on coins, right? That they printed this model on some of the coins. But after that, they didn't print it on every coin, and sometimes it wouldn't stay in the coin, sometimes it'd go on and off. But it wasn't until 1938, many years later, that it started to be on every single coin. We're gonna print, in God we trust. And it wasn't until 1956 that it became the official model and started to be printed on all of our money, like all of our paper money, too. Why is that? Well, that was because that was during the Cold War. And in the Cold War, you know who we're fighting against, right? We're fighting against the Russians, the Soviets, right? The ungodly communists, right? They are the communists. They don't believe in God. They're atheists. We are a God-fearing people. How do we know that? We put it on our money, even, right? To say, God, we believe in you. We trust in you. So it became a law. It's actually a law that all money in the United States has to have our motto on it. In God, we trust. So some of you guys might ask the question, well, what do all these like atheists and stuff think about this? When they see this in God we trust, don't they not like it? After all, they get upset when we say something like, oh, in the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God, right? Wouldn't they get upset about this too? And the answer is yes, of course they got upset about this. There have been many lawsuits filed by atheists who have found this motto so offensive. They bring up these arguments like, oh, when I go to the store, I feel like I can't use cash to pay. Because if I do it, I'm giving someone this thing that says, in God we trust, and I don't believe in God. Therefore, I can never use cash, and that's illegal. You're discriminating against me, because I'm an atheist. And the courts say, of course, that that's baloney. That doesn't make any sense, right? You know? But here's how the courts rule on that, though. It's very interesting. When the courts disagree with this, they say, oh, that this thing, that this saying, in God we trust, right? They say, number one, that it's rooted in history, that, oh, yeah, you know, throughout history, our countries had references to, you know, creators and stuff like that, not necessarily any religion, but even the Declaration of Independence, we've had talk about our creator, right? They're endowed by their creator with, with enable human rights and so on, right? Not necessarily a religious idea, but just a concept, right? That there's this thing called the creator. And the concept that, oh, that, the fact that we have in God we trust on our money is not coercing people to believe in God, right? Think about it this way. How many people do you know have looked at this money and decided, you know what? I believe in God now, right? I'm now going to believe in God because I see it. It's on the money. It must be true. And it happened. In fact, one famous judge talked about how uh, the saying uh, in God we trust basically has lost all of its meaning over the years. It's just a slogan, right? Slogans such as in God we trust have lost any true religious significance. And you know what? It's probably true. It's probably true that people look at this and they don't see, oh, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about the Bible. No one thinks about that when they see in God we trust. They think about, I don't know, it's just something written on money, right? We don't even know any of the history or anything like that. We did the quiz, right? We don't know anything about this stuff. But for Christians... Should that be the way we think about this phrase? In God we trust. For Christians, actually, shouldn't in God we trust be a significant motto in our lives? Not just a national motto, but a personal motto, right? It should be something that we ourselves believe and live out. 
It shouldn't be something like what the judge said. Oh, it's meaningless. It's lost its significance. Should it be for Christians? I hope not. We Christians should be able to have a God that we can trust in. We should be able to put our trust in God and actually put our trust in God. But before we go any further, let me ask you, what do you think it means to be a trustworthy person, right? Right? If you were a trustworthy person, what does that say about you? What does that say about you? Well, let me ask you guys, what do you think? Let's see if we get some answers here. It means that you are reliable. It means you're faithful. It means you're loyal. It means you're honest. It means you are, let's see. It means you are no one else's typing. So that's all the answers we got, right? It means you are dependable, right? It means you're all these things, right? You are trustable and trustworthy. When we talk about being trustworthy for you know, human beings, that's the type of thing that we talk about, we think about, right? When we talk about having a trustworthy God, right? Trusting and trusting in God, it's something we do because of the faith we have been given in Him. We are faithful, we trust in God because we know we have our God, a God worth believing in. Trusting in God basically means that we trust in God, we rely on God, we know that God is dependable in all circumstances. All circumstances means what? Even when the evidence seems to be the contrary, right? Even when it doesn't seem right, even when our instincts go against it, we put our trust in Him. That's what it means to have our trust in God. That's what in God we trust means for Christians. Can we give our life to God? Can we put our faith in his word? Can we believe that he's going to keep us from falling? Can we believe that he's going to work in our lives? Can we believe that he will keep us up no matter what? Do we have security with God? Yes, yes, yes. In God we trust. God made it clear from his word that we can trust him. God made it clear that our confidence, our reliance, is not just in our own mind and made up. He says in Proverbs 3, 5, he instructs us to, right? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He says in Psalm 56, 11, that the psalmist wrote, in God I have put my trust. God wants us to put our trust in him. In God we trust ought to be our personal motto. But why should we? Why should we? Why should we trust God? Well, we look in these verses today from Hebrews. They reveal a lot about who is God, the character of God, right? We, we ought to trust in God because God made a promise to us that, his, that our trust in him is right, that he is faithful in our trust in him, that it won't be misplaced, are lost because God is the creator of everything. He is the creator of truth. He's the creator of truth. We follow God because he does not lie. In verse 18, we saw that exact quote, right? It is impossible for God to lie, it says there. Isn't it true that God created truth, that God knows everything? If we really believe in God, the all-powerful, all-knowing God that created everything from the beginning to the end, that knows us, from uh, day one to day infinity, we know that he knows everything. If he knows everything, how could he be wrong? Right? Just think logically. If he's wrong and he doesn't know something, then he's not God, is he? 
right? If he's God, he has to know all. He has to be all. He has to be right, always. So we know that our trust in him is founded in that faith, in that fact, in that fact of his consistent, unending truth. He was true back in Bible times, and he's true now. We put our faith in him for that reason. We have our reliance in him for that reason. And he gave us a great example. That's what we looked at here in these verses in Hebrews of Abraham. Now, most of you guys here probably know the story of Abraham. Who was Abraham? He was a guy that lived thousands and thousands of years ago in Bible times, right? Called up by God to move. You know, he had his life going. He had his tribe going, whatever. He was okay, doing well. God tells him, I want you to move to this other country. And this country, this other area, this is going to be your area. And you're going to go there and you're going to be father of many nations eventually, right? And of course, to us looking at this, it sounds kind of crazy, right? Oh, you're going to root up your life, move over there, have a bunch of kids, and those kids will become like a whole nation of people, right? And you have to remember this. Abraham wasn't a young guy. He was old. He and his wife, they were kind of old at that point. And they hadn't had any kids even yet. That's a hard task to say, hey, we're going to have a whole nation of uh, people descended from me. When at the time, he had no kids, no descendants at all, right? But Abraham did something that, you know, showed that he put his full trust in God, that he believed that in God we trust. He said, God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do that. He went to this new country. He went there, and he went to go start his family there. But what happened? We know from the story, it wasn't easy for him. He didn't instantly start popping out kids or whatever, right? In fact, he had a very, very hard time. It was a very long time before he had his one true heir, Isaac, right? And again, when he had his one true heir, Isaac, God put him to the test once again. He said, what? Go sacrifice Isaac. Now, think about this. He had thought all these years, I've been promised that I'm going to have a son, and it's going to bring forth many nations. Now I finally have a son. I finally have Isaac. God, you want me to sacrifice him? You want me to sacrifice him? Start all over again? The son that I love and cherish, we talked a lot about it in the first half, right? You know, having a child die is like a horrible thing, right? But what did Abraham do? He put his full trust in God because he knew where God's going, it can't be wrong. He knew that God could see bigger than him, that God knew more than him, that he put his full trust in in God, the God that doesn't lie. And sure enough, God blessed him. God blessed him. He wasn't asked to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac prospered. He had children. His children have children. And we know today, was this, thousands of years later, that Abraham's descendants are still with us, right? The Jews are still with us. There's a whole country of them, right? In Israel, right? That God's promise was filled. God's promise was fulfilled. Can we say the same as Abraham, that we had that same trust in God? Whatever he says, we do, we follow, we patiently wait for his will to be fulfilled. I think a lot of times we don't, right? We're scared to do it. Why is that? People want to trust, right? We want to find things to trust in, but we can't, right? Instead, we want to trust in, you know, ourselves, right? Because it seems more controllable, right? That's the thing. That's the fear. We don't want to put our trust in something we can't control. Someone else. When we ourselves are doing it, we know we can do it right. Right? When someone else is doing it, oh, it could be a big problem. Right? Happens all the time at home. Right? 
Elaine, she asked me to do something, like wash the dishes or do something, do, do some chore around tasks. And then she'll see me doing it wrong. Oh, you're washing this thing all wrong. What happens? She has to come over here. Let me do it myself. You're messing it all up, right? She can't trust me to do it sometimes. That's what she says, right? So I have to do a simple thing. You can't even do it right. Oh, but she trusts herself, right? Oh, when I do it, I can do it. And that's also a very American thing, right? That we trust in ourselves, right? The solo, individual guy to do it right, right? That's why so many of our heroes are these rugged individual types that have done like it all their way. We think about all these famous people. Like, oh, who's a famous guy? Like some athlete, like a Michael Jordan. No, he did it. He did it all by himself. He was so great, right? He did this great thing. Or, you know, Steve Jobs. He invented all this stuff on his own. He's a great guy. He did it, you know? That's the way we envision it in our mind. But we know that a lot more work goes into doing that stuff, like being the basketball champion or being the famous inventor and all these stuff, than just the greatness of one man, even though we think about that way and we have that perspective. They have to rely on other people and other things. And likewise, in our lives, we wind up having to put our trust, whether we like it or not, in a lot of things, right? But it's not easy, again, because we're scared, right? We think we can rely on it, but then we can't, right? Like, even today, people think about all the things that we try to rely on, right? That may or may not be reliable, right? In the olden days, for example, let me ask you this, in the olden days, for example, we used to trust in what we could read in, let's say, the newspaper. And it's true, right? Read the news, is true. But nowadays, we have what? We have, like, fake news, right? Can we even trust the news we read? For example, look at this. We see all these fake news stories today, right? You guys have heard of these things. Maybe you go on the internet, you read about all these fake news stories. What do you think were the biggest fake news stories of the last year? So Brian did some research, and these are the biggest fake news stories of the year 2016, right? So before, we could trust in the newspaper, right? Now, instead, we get stories like Obama bans Pledge of Allegiance. Pope Francis endorses Donald Trump. And Trump offers free one-way tickets to Africa and Mexico. Woman defecates on boss's desk after winning the lottery, right? This... You guys go on Facebook every day. How many people post links to things that are scams, right? Or, you know, chain letters. Oh, watch out. There's now this toxic chemical in X, Y, and Z, right? Or all these news stories that you read every single day. It's kind of frustrating sometimes, right? I go on Facebook. I read some, something you got my friend posted. In order, instead of just reading it, I have to go search on the internet to make sure this news, is it true or not? Or is it just some guy, something, some, some fake article people wrote on the internet? By the way, the number one answer, the one with the most hits, was the first one, the Obama one. Obama plant bans Pledge of Allegiance. That is not true. But that one had the most hits on Facebook, the most shares on Facebook, right? But yeah. We can't even rely on that anymore, right? We try to put our trust in things and it feels like our faith is not rewarded, right? Think about all the things that we try to trust in every day, right? If you guys ride the bus to work, oh, you have to trust, please, Muni, be on time today, right? Do we say, in Muni, we trust, right? Yeah, you, guys, you guys are laughing because you guys, those of you who ride in Muni know that it's not trustworthy, right? All these things, the newspaper, the Muni, oh, it's so hard to trust in them. But you know what we can trust in that never fails, that's never wrong, that's not fake news, that's not going to go wrong? We can trust in God. God never fails. He's the one thing, 
He's the one thing that doesn't get messed up, that doesn't have the wrong answer, that doesn't have unreliability, that doesn't have lies. God is a God of truth. God is a God that we can put our faith in. So how do we trust God? Very simply, number one, we trust him with our salvation. Shouldn't we do that first and foremost? Before we talk about anything else, put our trust in him to say, God, I believe in you. To say, God, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. God, I believe you can save me from my sins. God, I believe you promised me heaven throughout an everlasting life when I die. We have to do that first, right? Once we do that, it doesn't end there, though. Right? Some people think that that's all we need. Oh, I believe in Jesus now. I'm done. That's all I do, right? That doesn't end for Christians. That's just the beginning. When we become a Christian, when we believe in God, the next thing we do, what do we have to do? We put our trust in Him for the rest of our life. Not just for salvation, but for everything. How do we live our life? Well, according to what God said. We've got to trust in Him, right? How do I do everything? Through God's leading, through His example. Oh, it's hard. Well, yeah, it's hard. Oh, it's not what I want to do, right? It's not what the world says what, what we're supposed to do. Well, no, it's not. It's what God says we ought to do, right? It says in Hebrews verse six, chapter 6, verse 15, what did Abraham have to do? It said he had to patiently endure, right? Abraham followed God. He wasn't delivered in one day or one month or even one year. It took years and years for that promise to be fulfilled. We put our trust in God knowing that everything we do according to his will turns out right in the long run, in God's vision. Not in a world of instant gratification, right? That's the world's way, instant gratification. It's in God's way. We need to have patience. Patience. Our patience is rewarded. And if, if in all we do, we patiently abide and we make our goal to follow his word, first and foremost, and not seek our own glory, and not seek our own things and whatever. Instead, to trust our future, to trust everything we do, to know that God is good and God is right. That's what God wants us to do. And that's how we have a great life by following this motto, not just for our country, but for ourselves. In God we trust. To wrap up, we have this quote from Corey Ten Boom. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We know our God. We trust in God. Can we put our future in God's hand? Can we say with confidence that in our lives, our motto is, in God we trust. Let's end with a word of prayer. God, we know you're a God that's worthy of our trust. You've proven it through all the years, even Abraham's day, right? That you are worthy of our trust, that you're a God that doesn't lie, that you're a God that knows everything from beginning to end, that you're a God that we ought to love and honor by trusting with everything in our lives, whatever it is, to follow your word through thick and thin, high and low. Lord, please help us do that on a day-to-day -day basis. Give us that strength. Give us that patience, that patience that Abraham had, that we know that even though it might seem hard to do that, a struggle to do that, that we know that ultimately it is the right thing to do that and that it ought to be our guide throughout our whole life to do that. Let's let this be our motto, in God be our trust. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.